for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. All right, grab your Bibles this morning, go to Matthew chapter 6. Last week we started talking about what? Thank you, priorities. Praise God. I feel so much better that someone answered for some reason. I don't know why, but I just do feel so much better. It's starting out good today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Let's start in verse 24 again. Jesus is talking, he says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or yet for your body what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Are you? Yes. Good. Verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take ye the thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? How shall we pay our rent? How shall we pay that light bill? Whither all shall you be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. How many know that's the truth? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So here was Jesus talking. He was talking basically about priorities. Say priorities. priorities. Last week we covered priorities. If you were not here, you probably need to get the tape. If you were here, you probably need to get the tape. Because <laughs> basically it's going to remind you to make priorities the night before. You don't make priorities when it's time to make a decision. You make the priorities ahead of time so you make the right decision according to your priorities. It's the only way you're going to live this life and the only way you're going to do it good. Notice, Jesus compares two things here. He compares the priority of the kingdom of God and he, the priority of the things of the natural that you need. You need food, you need clothes, you need all these different things. And basically, he's telling you to switch your priority from simple survival to the kingdom of God and the things of God. Basically, he does that because if you don't do that, what's going to happen? You are going to worry. Say worry. I'll notice in the church, worries, nobody ever talks much about worry or everything. You go get drunk, they're mad at you, you smoke, they're mad at you, you do the, but everybody can worry and get away with it. You understand? We call it concern, called having a soft heart, but it's worry. What you're doing is worrying about things, and worry basically is one of the many reasons why the church, I believe, has physical issues right now in a lot of different areas. Yes, God's a healer. Yes, God provided for your healing, but your physical body cannot take the stress of your constant meditation on bad things in your life to a point where you worry. Worry never paid a bill. Worry never did anything for you. The only thing worry will do will raise your blood pressure up to a place where it shouldn't be. So he says, don't worry about these things. I just want you to do two things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Now, the whole world revolves around things. The whole world system revolves around things. People will do anything for things. I mean, you'll do, some people do anything with their boss in order to get a raise. 
Drug dealers will sell drugs they know are killing people. Why? Because they want to get money to buy things. All this stuff has to do with, with things out here that need to be got. So we get into religion, and religion basically centers around getting things. Lord, I went to church on Sunday and Wednesday. Now give me a new car. Lord, I've been really good. I've been praying real hard. Now pay my light bill. So we get to a point to where we're doing things in our lifestyle basically for the same reason, to get things, even though they're religious things, they're, they're godly things, but we're still doing them for the wrong motive. The motive is to fulfill basically our lives. How many know the government knows it operates this way? Come on. That's why they offer you free things. You can go to college for free. We'll send you $1,000 a month. We'll do this. We'll do that. Why? Because they're appealing to where most people's minds are, and that is simple survival on the things of this world. So they can get your vote basically by offering you free things. Why? Because that's your main priority to the place even where church people now are voting against God's will and God's kingdom simply to get things. And I'll tell you, that's a bad place to be because you can only serve two masters. You can only serve God or you're going to serve Mullah. You're going to serve free things. So basically this whole thing's coming up. So Jesus comes along, and you know the disciples thought like this too. And in verse 31, Jesus simply says, Therefore, don't even think about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. Now, I mean, to get to there, you really have to make some adjustments. How many of you ever thought about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear? Can I pay that next bill? Yeah, it occupies about 99% of our mind. But Jesus is coming along and says, you've only got two responsibilities. You need to simply seek first the kingdom of God, seek the word of God, the ways of the kingdom of God, and your right standing in that kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. So notice that was a shocking statement to these, just like it's a shocking statement to us. Go to Luke chapter 10. It's amazing because the Deuteronomy word has the blessings and the curse, if you ever read that. I read it for years with a religious mindset that if I attended to his word, I inclined my ear to his word, I pressed into God, then he would bless me. If I didn't, he would curse me. But it doesn't say that. It says if you spend time in his word, you spend time with him, you do the things that he wants to do, the blessings of God will come and they will over. He said, he don't bless you. He said, the blessings are right there. If you just do the thing I tell you to do, there's going to be a result of what you do. The blessings of God are going to come over and they're going to run you down and they're going to over. And then you go to the curses and the curse. God doesn't curse anybody. What happens when you don't listen to the word, when you're in the world, when you're living the world's way, when you're living under a cursed society, all once the curses will come upon you and they will. So it's not God or even the devil, really. It's your choice of what you're doing and what you're pursuing that's going to result in your life where you're going to live in the blessing or whether you're going to live in the curse. Praise God. Hallelujah. That was extra. There's no charge for that at all. Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went, and he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, came to him and said, Lord, does that not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she would help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are careful or troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall, be taken, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, this is pretty interesting here, but this is talking about the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. So notice, what's he talking about here? He's talking about 
priorities, basically, this time. He's talking about two people, Martha, and one is named Mary. What did Martha do? Well, Martha heard that Jesus was coming. How many know when Jesus comes, he probably brought at least 12 disciples with him, probably brought some more people with him, and it was Martha and Mary's house, and Mary started freaking out because her cousin from up north was coming down with three kids, and they didn't know that they were coming, and they're on their way to do it, and she had to feed all these people, and there was no Kentucky Fried Chicken around the corner for her to go get some chicken at that time, so there was a lot of stuff to do for when Jesus came. So she was cumbering about, and she was doing this, and she was doing that, and she had a sister, and her sister sat there when Jesus came and just sat there and listened to the word. There was food to be made. There was stuff to be done. There was a welcome mat to be sent out. And there she did. She just sat there. What was she doing? Now notice, everything that Martha did, she wasn't sinning. She wasn't doing nothing wrong. Matter of fact, she was doing a lot of right stuff, actually, in our minds. That's what should have been done in that situation. So she went to Jesus, and she said, I'm going crazy here, and I'm not getting any help going crazy because Martha's sitting there peacefully at Jesus' feet and listening to the word, and I'm not very happy about this right now because that's what she's doing. And Jesus simply walked up to her and said, man, you are troubled, troubled about many, 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 many things. But then he goes on to say, notice he said about her. He said, Mary has chosen the good part. Say the good part. So he didn't say that Martha chose the bad part. He just said that Mary chose a better part. And what was that better part? She was going to sit under the king himself and listen to the king teach her the word about the kingdom of God because that was the best part. Not only the best part, notice, that would never be taken away from her what she received that day. How many know when that day was over, whatever Martha did, no matter how well she cooked, no matter how well she cleaned, would just go by the wayside and the house would be dirty the next day and she'd have to make more food anyway. So notice, it came to a point there where there was a decision that had to be made on each one. Let me ask you, which are you? Are you a Martha? Or are you a Mary? Are you so busy every day and doing everything for everybody and doing everything and then you realize you haven't picked up your Bible in three weeks, haven't prayed in tongues in 14 years and haven't been to church once in the last six weeks? But you're doing all good things. They're all good things, but those things aren't going to stay with you. They're going to go by the wayside. Which are you? Are you a Martha or are you a Mary? Or are you the one every day who your number one priority is to sit at Jesus' feet under the word of God and listen to the word of God and make changes in my life to do these things and make those changes? Listen, you will never be a good Martha until you become a good Mary. That's why many ministries fall. They want to get in the ministry and they want to be a Martha. They want to tend to this one here and tend to that one there and tend to this one. Tending to my flock, tending to my flock. You better get back to Jesus' feet sooner or later or you're going to die. See, running around here or there. I can't take it anymore. The stress, I just can't handle it anymore. Well, get back where you belong at Jesus' feet. Come on. That's the number one priority. And then you'll find out the things that you do out of being a Mary, the Martha things, will be out of a better motivation, a better heart condition. In other words, you'll be cooking for somebody because you love them, not because there's a need. And you're disgusted the whole while you're doing it. Well, Jesus is coming, and I'm cooking. I don't like to cook, and I hate to waste all this money on cooking, but he's coming, and I'll cook for him because I'm a good Christian, and that's just the way that I am. And I'm gonna... <laughs> But if they've already been with Mary, see, it's on an outflow. It's serving people. It's serving out of love. You've already made your connection with the kingdom of God, and now you're doing it from a kingdom motive at that time. See? So, so what's he saying here? It may not be things you are doing in your life that are bad. They're only bad if they're taking up too much time to where you can't do your merry obligations. See? And you're the only one that can make that decision. When you, when you start seeking the kingdom of God, you're going to lose some things in your life. Because, I mean, you know, it takes time to do anything. And let's say that you haven't been reading the Bible, haven't been doing anything, haven't been pressing the king about ever. If you take an hour to do that every day, it's going to take an hour from something that you were doing every day in that hour that's going to have to. 
And the problem with the kingdom of God, everybody wants to come to the kingdom of God for the benefits of the kingdom of God. That's not why you come to the kingdom of God and serve Jesus. You do it because he loves you and you love him. And everything you do is out of a motivation for love, basically. It's not to get. I love that the pastor gives me, seek me first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto me. That's what I want. You're just doing it in a religious way anyway. First you were praying to get it, then you were doing sacrifices to get it, now you're going to seek the kingdom to get it. That cannot be your main priority if you're going to operate in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God doesn't give you things, it changes things, you. The kingdom of God will start making adjustments on the inside of you. When I started seeking the kingdom of God, some people I had as friends would no longer be my friends and could no longer be my friends. There were some Christian friends that I had that could no longer be my friends. (laughs) that no longer wanted to be around me, that no longer do those things. See, some things are going to come off here. There's some movies that I used to watch. Now all at once, I turn them on. I mean, in my younger years, before I was saved, you know, we watched these shows and we watched these movies and they were our favorite ones. And then I'll think, gosh, I haven't watched that in 30 years. I'll go back and watch it. And I start to watch it and say, how in the heck did I ever sit there through this thing when all they're doing is going out and having sex with this one and cussing with that one? Doing, and this used to be my favorite movie. And the kingdom of God killed it. Killed my movie. Just killed it. No more Saturday Night Fevers anymore. Praise God, I can't do it anymore. That was one of my favorites for years. But man, when that thing was on a while back, I looked at it, I thought, what the heck was I doing back then? What was I thinking? What's going on? So see, as the kingdom of God lines you up with the kingdom of God, and the word of God does that through your study time and through you being a Mary, as you do that, basically, you will grow into a place where things will naturally start leaving you. People said, I hate to get saved because I'm going to lose things, and God's going to take things away. He doesn't take them away. You just finally see that they weren't any good. You let them go. I mean, it's like you're underwater holding on to this brick, and you're dying. And God's saying, let go of it and seek the kingdom. I don't want to lose it. And finally, basically, you say, boy, I don't need this brick anymore. You let it go, and you float right to the top, and all at once, everything's good. The kingdom is not a taking kingdom. It's an adding kingdom, which removes what's already a problem in your life. You see, when I came in here this morning, I was the first one here. It was dark in here. I didn't try to pray the darkness out. I didn't command the darkness to go. I didn't do a light dance to see if it happened. I turned on a switch. And when the light came in, the darkness God didn't have to come down and take the darkness away so that I could have light in here this morning. No, simply turn the light of his word on in your life and areas of your life and that darkness you're struggling with, that fear you're struggling with, that worry you're struggling with will leave your life when the light of the word of God comes into your life. It's a light to your path, praise God. The Bible says it's a lamp to us. Why is that? Because it lights on the inside. We start to understand things and basically through the word of God then we start to become more and more free in our lives. All right, go back to Matthew chapter 6. All right, Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 31 again. Therefore, take no thought, don't worry about, don't even think about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall be clothed with, your simple survival issues. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, if you look up that word Gentile, it's actually what, you know? Pagan. It's actually Gentiles or the pagans seek. So what happens here? He's telling you to switch your mind from a pagan mentality, a Gentile mentality, into a kingdom of God mentality. I'll tell you the biggest gathering of pagans and Gentiles in the world is probably on Sunday mornings in most churches. Come on, because all of them are in there, and most of them are in there just so God will do something for them. 
Oh my gosh, I came to church again today. Come on, everybody intercede with everybody, pray for me. If you simply just do what God told you to do, you're going to get the results that he told you that you're going to get in the kingdom of God. So there should be more, more, more desire in your life to seek God's kingdom than to deal with everything else that's out here around you that all your problems and issues are. So you seek first the kingdom of God. And why shouldn't we be like Gentiles? Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father, what? knows that you have need of all these things. Now, look, if he knows, why should I tell him that I need what he already knows that I need? Why should I? Oh, Lord, I need to pay the light bill. Well, my father already knew that. Well, I need that. My father already knew that. Well, my father already knew that. Well, you know, I need healing. My father already knew that. He already knows these things. So he says that the way to do it is simply seek first God's kingdom, change your way of thinking, line up with the kingdom of God, the way I think, the way I do things, and all these things will simply come upon you. Praise God. They'll come into your life. And if the church could get that mentality, that kingdom mentality, that basically gets you off of you, my problems, my financial condition, my body, my, and basically it puts you to where you're free now to look out to help other people who are out there, basically, and that's what the kingdom of God is. It's basically a giving thing in your life. So praise God, uh, the human needs that we have, are they important? Yes, they're important, but there's a way to deal with those human needs, and that way is through the kingdom of God, seeking the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. If you don't, once again, you're going to lose a lot of time, waste a lot of time, you're going to waste a lot of energy. I'll tell you, if you're tired all the time, your priorities are out of whack. It's out of whack. You cannot be pursuing God first and be worn out every single day of your life. You're worn out because your mind's in 42 different directions dealing with 50,000 problems that you're going to figure out how to deal with, and you can't deal with any of them anyway. And the way you're going to deal with them is just a temporary fix anyway. It doesn't do any good. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, you are going to get wisdom and revelation on the inside of you of how to deal with every single problem that's in your life. They're all in the Word here. How many of you know that? Every problem that you've ever had in your life, the answer's already here in the Word. All you've got to do it. Well, I believe everybody's got to worry. Well, he says, cast all your cares upon him. Well, I know it says that. I know what the Bible says. Then do it. Then cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to worry anymore. Well, I can't say that. Yes, you can. We would go back to way back. You are here with dominion and authority in your life. And if you ain't even got dominion over worry, how the heck are you going to cast out a devil Come on, in your own life? I'm casting things out all the time. Things trying to get in worry, trying to get in fear, trying to get in this, trying to get in. Those things don't have to get in. The Bible says, let not sin have dominion over you. See, you've got that choice. So what am I going to do? I'm going to think like the kingdom. I'm going to be in the kingdom, and I'm going to use that authority basically in my life. But I'm going to seek. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to go after. And the Bible says, if you seek, you will what? Fine. So there's another promise. There's a, well, I've been seeking the kingdom. I ain't finding nothing. Well, you're not going to with that mouth. You better change it. <laughs> Well, I gave twice and haven't got nothing back. Well, just keep giving. It'll be fine. I'll tell you, you know, we went to church. When I got saved, we went down there and, and Port Salerno, wherever I was. We went to church every Wednesday night, went to church every Sunday. We took our little kids. We took them down there. Uh, some Wednesday nights, we were tired. We chased them around all week. But I'll bless God, we got in that car, and we took them down there, whether they liked it or not, whether I liked it or not, whether she liked it or not. And we went down, and we sat under that word, and we went to that word, and we went to that word, and we went to that word. And at the time, I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing here? I'm wearing myself out more. I didn't really get anything out of that. I slept through half the sermon. I don't think I'm receiving anything. But I'll tell you what, it gets in there. 
And over a period of time, it grows and it prospers and it produces fruit in your life. And all at once, this fruit starts all over the place. And you start picking from joy when you need it. You start picking from peace when you need it. All these things. But it didn't just come from me not doing anything in the kingdom of God, then getting all stressed out and saying, give me peace. Pray for me. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's time to grow up. It's time to get mature ourselves. It's time to build up our own lives on the kingdom of God. It's time to get to a place where we can resist the devil every single time he comes because we can. He's given us dominion. He's given us authority. He's given us power. We sing songs about it. We do everything. But it's a reality in your life. You've got to use what God has already given you. You've got to stand. You've got to hold on to your confession of faith. I hear people talk in the church. Some of them, I wonder if they're even saved. Oh, it's just been terrible. Things are going real bad. The devil's been chasing me and knocking me down. And the kids are taking me. And here's, here's the last verse they always say, but I'm believing God. Really? You really are? For what? See? I tell you, a lot of our problem is right. Where are you here? You're here. Come on. We've all got one, don't we? I mean, look at James. It says the tongue will guide your life wherever you want to go. I don't like my life right now. You better change the rudder direction and get it going in the right way. So let's praise God. God knows what we need. He'll take care of it. All we have to do is seek first the kingdom of God. And look at verse 34. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Many people can't enjoy today. Do you know why? Because they're so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, the next day after that, the next day after that. He says, sufficient are your worries for day one. And I mean, you know, that's a good, good point. You've got enough to deal with today. You'll have enough to deal with tomorrow. But if you deal with them day by day, how many know you're going to get down the road a couple years and you've dealt with them day by day? So he said, this is it. The Bible says, this is the week that the Lord has made. Don't say that, does it? No, this is the that the Lord has made. So I will rejoice and be glad at when? That day, praise God. He didn't say the week. He said that day. Give us today our weekly bread. No, give us today our... See, God wants to deal with you day at a time. He just wants you in one day at a time. You ain't going to change anything a week from now or six days from now. There's no sense worrying about it. He wants you to deal with today in the present time, in his anointing, in his power, and what he's given you, and to live that basic day the way it is. An example of that in the Old Testament, remember when they were grumbling that they didn't have any food and all that stuff, and all at once manna came down? But how many know manna was only good for how long? How many know they'd like to store all that stuff up? Then they wouldn't have had to go out in the morning and they wouldn't have had to get that man again because they got a whole freezer full of manna, praise God, out there. But they couldn't do it that way, could they? They had to do it every single. Does that tell you something maybe about the kingdom? That you may have to seek the kingdom every single. I tell you, there's a fresh anointing for you every single. Yesterday's anointing ain't going to help you today. Deliverance you got yesterday ain't going to help you today, but today it's going to help you if you spend time doing what God has told you to do in your life and hooking up with the kingdom of God. So he says, don't worry even about tomorrow, thank goodness. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 13. If you look at Matthew chapter 13 and some of these other chapters, the whole four Gospels are basically about the kingdom of God, but he really gives so many examples in these chapters. You could spend the rest of your life just on Matthew chapter 13 and probably get revelation out of it. Matthew 13, look at verse 44. All right, Jesus is speaking. He says, I... 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like... Now, what's he talking about here? Kingdom of heaven, isn't he? And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure that is hid in a field. The which, when a man has found, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Now, here's Jesus. He's doing a parable with the kingdom of God. First of all, he calls the kingdom of God a treasure. Say a treasure. I mean, no, a treasure is something very valuable. A treasure is something that you really want. A treasure is something that you really seek at, and when you find it, it's good. Notice when you find the treasure or find the kingdom, you, when you find your true purpose, when you find your true priority, it will become the most valuable thing in your life. Notice what he did. When he found it, he hided it, and thereof goes off and, all, and sold, sold how much? All he had. So here it is. He's just doing, how you know he must have been seeking if the treasure was hid? And all once he struck into that treasure and he found the kingdom of God. And when he found the kingdom of God, all these other things that he had basically didn't mean that much anymore, praise God, because he had found the one thing that was going to change his life at that time. So notice he sold all he had and it says for joy. Say for joy. Now, how many of you, if you went home today and sold everything you have, would have extreme joy by tonight? No, you'd have extreme second thoughts. You'd have extreme worries. You'd have extreme of what the heck did I do? But you would not have extreme joy in your life. But notice, he had found something here that made a heart change in his life, something that did something for him. So he found it, praise God, and with joy. So just like Martha and Mary. Mary went for the greater part. She found the greater part, and it brought joy to Mary. Martha was not seeking the greater part. She basically was seeking something else. She was stressed out. She was worried. There was no joy involved whatsoever. So seeking the kingdom of God first, obeying God basically will bring you joy. And once you have the joy of the kingdom of God, many things that you do for the church or for other people, you will not complain and moan about them when you do them. You'll do them out of a whole different heart. You'll see things in a different light. You'll see things in a different way when your mindset gets off you also at the same time. So basically, hallelujah, like I say, a lot of churches have problems because they're so busy stamping out fires. When I first got into ministry, that's what I heard. Every time I got with a pastor for lunch, how you been doing? Stamping out fires. <laughs> Fire over here, I stamped it out. Fire over there, I stamped it out. Fire over there, I stamped it out. And I'd say, well, here's what I've been getting out of the Word of God. This says here, did you need to talk to them? They're going. And I say, do you understand all that? I've been stamping out fires. I've been stamping out fires over here. I've been stamping out fires over there. I was... I said, man, you're not going to make it. You know, you're not going to make it unless you get your priorities in order. You're going to be wore out, praise God. You can't be worried about who's coming, who's not, who's leaving, who don't, who likes you, who don't. You just need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So you want some joy, and you want some refreshment, and you want some excitement in your life? Then seek first the kingdom of God to remove some of that tiredness or remove some of that worn outness in your life. It'll get you focused on things that you need to get done. And once again, as you make your priority list, you'll be completing something that day. Oh, it feels so good when you lay down at night to know you got something done that day that you actually needed to get done. Praise God. All right, look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had, and he brought it. Now here he says the kingdom of God is like what? A pearl, isn't it? It's about a merchant who's looking for goodly what? Pearls. pearls. Say Pearls. Notice, he was seeking goodly pearls. As a Christian in my life, once I got born again, I was hungry for God, and I was seeking every goodly pearl I could find. 
I was going to church. I was reading my little daily and my other little daily and my little daily by this guy and my little nightly by this guy. And I was reading the word and I was trying to fellowship and I was doing this and I was doing that. And after a couple of years, I was still doing this and I was still going to church and I was still praying and I was seeking all these pearls. But when I found the pearl and it became the most important thing in my life and after seeking that pearl, the rest of the pearls got easy because I wasn't going to church to get a relationship with God now. I was going to church because I had a relationship with God now. Whew. That trying to earn a relationship with God is tough. It's tough. You just never get there. You just never do it. And you just never do enough for God to look down and say, Ooh, he's doing good. He's such a good guy. I want to love him now. No. I found out that everything that I've been searching for was given to me in the kingdom of God when I got born again. Hallelujah. So at once, I had a relationship with God. He loved me unconditionally. I could be as dumb as I wanted to one day, go to bed at night, and notice he still loved me. Ever been there? Yeah. All at once, it took the pressure off me of having to do all these things. But when I did them now, it was out of a good heart. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to praise. I wanted to be with brothers and sisters who knew the Lord. I wanted to do all this stuff, praise God. Why? Because it had changed. In other words, I had found the pearl. And now all the other pearls fit in under the pearl, not the other way around. The whole church is wearing themselves out with religious activity because they're going after pearls rather than finding their pearl, which is the kingdom of God, which is of great price. So notice, he found the pearl. Remember what Paul said when he got born again and came to the kingdom of God, what he called his religion and tradition? Dung. All this stuff I was doing, all this stuff I was trying to do for God, all these things I was supposed to do, they're dung now. Because I found me the kingdom and I was just dunging that stuff up, praise God. Now I can just do whatever I want to do and I do it out of a good heart. And basically I no more honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now your heart is there. I'll tell you, praise and worship would change totally in your life if you just go from the heart instead of your lips. Another song, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We did this one last week, praise the Lord. I'm starting to learn it. No, no, when it comes from here, when you know there's no place that you would rather be, when you know he has taken away your pain, praise God, and turned your mourning into dancing, when you, these things come out of your heart, it's a completely different song than it was before. And you sit there like this, and somebody runs around the church and say, what's the matter there? That nut goes again, my God. Hit the pastor, stop that somehow. Come on. Why? Because they're so far away from the pearl. We're all from the pearls out there. We're all wore ourselves around, praise God. Deal with yourself. What are you doing? I mean, who made you Holy Ghost judge of praise and worship, praise God? See? But when your heart changes, it changes. It's, it's no longer just a song. It's coming from you. It's like you wrote the song. It's like you put the melody to the song. And sometimes I do. Their melody must be off because I go into a different melody on the song, and that's all right. Praise God. I got backup singers to go above me. That's what they're there for. So it works out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Works out good. But see, it changes everything. The kingdom of God changed. So the pearl that we're after, get off the religious things, man. Don't wear yourself out. It's no fun. Praise God. That's why people backslide. They've got no joy. They've got no peace. They've got no nothing because they've just been living in religion their whole life trying to do things for God. Find out what God has promised you. Find out that he loves you, praise God, with an everlasting love. Find out that he loves you unconditionally. Find out that he's never helping, ever, ever. He's just good. Let me just say, he's just, just a good God. All right, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. All 
I'll tell you, there's something that happens to you when you step over and start learning about the kingdom of God that when adversity comes in your life, you'll just simply say, not today, devil. Not today. Nope. Wrong place. Better go pick on somebody else. You're in the wrong place today. You ain't going to get nothing here, so you might as well just run someplace else because it ain't going to work for you. Hallelujah. All right, where do we go? Luke chapter 9. All right, Luke chapter 9. Let's look at verse... Oh, let's go to verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went, Jesus and his disciples in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to what? Lay his head. So here comes this guy. Jesus just performed a bunch of miracles. How many know that would excite you? And all once you're seeing him heal the sick and raise people and stuff, and you say, Woo, I'm going to follow you wherever you want to go. And Jesus says, Foxes have holes, birds of the nest have nests, but Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Now, what was he talking about? Was he talking about Jesus didn't have a house? Well, no, we know he did. We know that he had things. We know that he wasn't broke. We know he had things. What is he saying? He's telling this person, If you are following me, to get what you've seen me have and do, then you're still in the wrong area. You need to follow me simply because I am the king of a kingdom, and you want to go to the kingdom first, so all these things, once again, will be added unto you. If your priority is things added unto you, then you're still going to be living in a religious realm that won't help you one little bit anyway. You are not put here to pursue things. You've been put here to rule things. Everything in this life, you have an opportunity to rule. So basically he says, hey, you got to change your priority. you still got the wrong motive. Something's not working here yet at this time. The kingdom of God is not a bless me club. It's a change me club. And if you don't allow the change me, there will not be the bless me on the back of it. So it's not a bless me club. I'm not seeking the kingdom of God so I have a bunch of money, so I have fame, so I have fortune. No, I'm seeking the kingdom of God because I love God and I want to seek the kingdom of God. All right, look at verse 59. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, how many know this wasn't very nice? Was it? I mean, look at it. I mean, his father was either dying or going to be dead. And he said, first, let me go bury my father. What was Jesus saying? Don't bury your father. Just leave him go. No, he said, you can bury your father. There's nothing wrong. He didn't say, you shouldn't. It's a bad thing to do. He simply said, your priority still must be my kingdom first in the burying of your father later. So, I mean, what equates to your burial of the father? TV? Is that, is that be, Lord, I'm going to read your word as soon as I watch two more episodes of this TV show, and then I'm going to get right in there and I'm going to press in. I mean, what's holding you back from it being first in your life? What's keeping it? Is it time with friends? Is it time with family? Is it just shopping? Is it whatever? It's got to be the priority. So Jesus is just basically saying, hey, that, that's okay. You need to do that. It's one of the commandments, as a matter of fact. You need to take care of your parents. But then again, you still got to keep in first place in your life seeking the kingdom of God and the things of God. That is the priority that I want you to have, basically. All right, look at verse 61. And another also said to him, Lord, I will follow thee. Let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. So once again, here's a guy saying, I'm going to follow you, but first, under my own terms, I'm going to follow you, praise God. But first, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell everybody what I'm doing. First, I'm going to do, th- I'm going to do this first before I seek the kingdom of God. Have you ever... I know you have. 
but I probably have also. Times when you, you just got up in the morning, you just had a busy day, but you knew you were going to get in that word, and you were going to spend some time there. You knew it, you knew it, you knew it, and you knew it, and you went to bed and got up, and you never did do it. Do you ever have something in your day that you made a, made a decision you were going to do, and by the end of the day, guess what? Didn't do it anyway. Why is that? Because once again, you did not put it first in your life. Here he says you have to put it first. And the last verse is really tough. And Jesus having said to them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back. Say looking back. Looking back. Say it again, looking back. looking back. You cannot operate in the kingdom of God if you're constantly going to be looking at your yesterday. The kingdom of God is today. The kingdom of God has promises for you in the future. But yesterday cannot be changed. You've got to let go of your yesterdays. Whatever happened last year, last week, yesterday, whatever, you've got to leave that go. You cannot continually go forward and turn around and look in the rearview mirror behind. None of us would drive down I-95 and turn around and look behind us because it's not going to work. Something's going to happen that's bad in our life. So basically those things of the past got to be let go. Those, and that's why a lot of times the Holy Ghost leads people when they get saved to go back and deal with certain things in their past that they need to deal with. Someone that they had a, an outgoing with, they, they couldn't forgive, they've hated, they haven't talked to or whatever. God wants you to deal with those things because he knows the devil will use those things. Every time you try to do something, he'll bring that up. Remember 25 years ago when you did this or you did, and there you go again, and now you're guilty again, and now you're condemned again. So he just has you deal with those things. Now, I'm not saying you have to do those things. I'm saying if you're led to do those things, you do those things. But then you've got to let them go. Say, let them go. go. Say, it's just like time. Once time goes by, you can't get it back. You're never going to get the hour of 11 to 12 back today. It's gone at this time. It's basically history. So we're looking at what's going on now from noon forward at this time. And it's the same way in our lives. You cannot drag the past with you and live in an abundant future. You can't do that. Sometimes you've got to neglect a report that you got yesterday. Sometimes you've got to wish you never watched the news yesterday. See, because all that stuff's bad news. Then you bring it over. Then it gets in your mouth and all at once, you know, this happened and that happened. I heard this on the news and that took place and this heard on the news and that took on the news and that took on. All that stuff's going to do is depress you and everybody else around you anyway. So you're not really concerned about that. So if you're concerned about the things in the kingdom of God, and the more you press into the kingdom of God, one of the major changes in your life is going to be your language. There's some, I think it's a psalm that says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations in my heart be acceptable in thy sight. That's one prayer that I pray every single day because no matter how often I spend in the word, this little thing up here, it can get away. I mean, you can be reading Bible, praying in tongues all morning long from 8 to noon, and I'll go out at 12.30, and the first thing somebody pulls out in front of me, and what comes out of my mouth is not in line with God language. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my God, how can that happen? How can that possibly happen? Well, I'll tell you what I've learned. If you correct yourself every time you make a, a mistake, and here's another thing. If you're with somebody and talk stupid, correct yourself in front of them. That no fun. Well, you know, I just think, uh, you know, sickness is going around, everybody's going to die. And the Holy Ghost goes, shh. Then you got to say, yeah, I just talk stupid. I'm sorry about that. That was really dumb. Of course, they're probably agreeing with you anyway. Well, I agree with that, praise God. Uh, or two or three are gathered in your name. Mary, I hear me. praise God. Here we go. But see, when you correct yourself in front of someone else, it really cures you talking that way again. So it's going to teach us to talk God language, which I believe that's where the power is in our lives is basically when we walk up we're thinking like God we're talking like God we're talking in line with God there's something about agreement it talks about in the Bible you know when just two of us agree what happens 
See, there's results. Could you imagine getting a whole body talking in line with God's language and God's will? We even sing a song, that one that says, as we all agree, power is released. See, there's songs like that out there. So there's going to be a change in your life, but you have to put in the time to seek the kingdom of God first. Once again, it's an individual thing. You make that choice. You're the one who decides whether you're going to do it, whether you're not going to do it, how you're going to do it, and then you can't blame anybody else. You know, Next year at this time, you can't blame anybody else. I just haven't grown. Nothing's ever happened to me. Well, you've been seeking the wrong stuff once again. You went through a whole year of wearing yourself out. You've wasted another year of your life, and you can't get that year back. So Jesus says, I'm going to make life easy for you. One, seek first the kingdom of God's thoughts, ways, ways and number two, Righteousness. Stay in right alignment with my kingdom, and you won't have to worry about anything else in your life because I'll make sure supernaturally I will take care of everything that you ever needed in your life. So if your life's busy, if your life's too much, if just go back to the two basic things. Just do those each day. Stay in alignment, seek the kingdom, and you're going to find God will get involved in that because that's what he desires, that's what he wants. That one prayer, where is it, Colossians, it says, uh, the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. I want to be fruitful in every good work. Praise God. I love that prayer right there because I need wisdom. I need knowledge. I need to speak the wisdom of God. I need to know the wisdom of God in order to line up with God and watch the power of God work in people's lives. Hallelujah. So you're changing. Say, I'm changing. The more you're in the Word, the more you sit under the Word, the more you listen to tapes, the more you come to church, you're going to be changing, changing, changing. I mean, it's amazing how we just don't remember things that well, it seems like, you know, because there's times when Patrick's talking about things, and I mean, I knew 15, 20 years ago, and he brings it back up, and I say, gosh, I forgot about that, that that's the way that worked. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, because all these things got to be brought up, it seems like, every single day, you know. It says the outward appearance perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you which said year by year? But it's not. It's day by day. It's a day by day renewal on the inside. So make a commitment to the Word of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all your worries and stuff are going to go right by the wayside. Physical strength is going to come into your body. There's going to be joy in your heart. Praise God. And you're going to go leaping, jumping, and praising God. Hallelujah. Hi. Praise God. That's it. Glory to God. for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.